This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. On the Proud American Podcast, our goal is to connect you with proud Americans. Like those of you listening, proud Americans come from all walks of life, and our guests are no different. From regular folks doing extraordinary things to celebrities who've put time into making this country a better place for all of us, proud Americans are worth celebrating. And today's guest is no different. Mark Zeno is the host of the Hazard Ground podcast, where war heroes share their stories of combat and survival. He's also a sports talk radio host and a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army National Guard with two tours to Iraq. Mark, thanks for coming on, brother. Triple J, great to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, no worries. I'm glad you came on to talk. I know it's been a busy year for you. Uh, we've been friends for a while. I got to take you uh, to, a, I don't know if that was your first Braves game, but I got to take you to a Braves game and uh, and taught you how to do the tomahawk chop, and that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely not my first Braves game, but uh, it was fun nonetheless. And yes, you and I chopped together, so we are forever. Uh, it's not blood brothers, but we're we're you know chop brothers. <laughs> well, you've got a great background, man, and you do so many cool things. And I just love to introduce you to the audience. And then uh, you know, I think you've had a unique experience this year, and I think we'll get to that. But first, so you are from New York? Is that where that accent comes from? Yeah, yeah, born and bred in. Uh, Long Island, lived there my entire life till I went away to college and then never went back. Um, some of that was not by choice, but some more of just kind of life and college and the military and everything else. But, uh, you know, once I kind of established myself as an adult, I, I never really wanted to go back. Other than my family being there, like my entire family, I'm the only person in my family who doesn't live in New York. Other than that, I, I, I've, I, and I've got no reason to go back. And I got to tell you, though, uh, I, I enjoy your home state. Uh, it's great to me. The, the weather is beautiful. The people are great. The Southern charm, the hospitality, plenty of culture, plenty of great places to eat, plenty of nightlife. I mean, just it's it, all around Atlanta and Georgia has been great to me. Well, and that was, that was kind of what I wanted to ask you about. So how does a guy from New York and maybe the army is the answer here, but how's a guy from New York end up down here in the land of sweet tea? Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I'm still on the unsweet, uh, you know, <laughs> I know, but, uh, I mean, it's, listen, it's one of those things where, uh, my civilian job at the time had moved me, moved me down here. Um, I was actually working in Baltimore, Maryland at the time. That's where I ended up where I went to school. I went to Loyola college in Maryland. And so after I had done my active duty time and I had just gotten off active duty prior to nine 11, I went back to Maryland, um, cause it's where all my friends were, you know, I was young at the time and, we were living there and, and uh, lo and behold, obviously 9-11 happens and I deploy a couple of times. And in the meantime, I'm still doing the National Guard and doing the civilian employment thing. And then uh, in 2014, uh, the company I was working for, CBS Radio at the time, had offered me a position in Atlanta and I jumped on it. Um, it was a bigger market. It was a better market. It was you know, uh, a chance to do something different in, in the radio industry. And so I took it. And really, honestly, I've been here for seven years and I... I it's felt like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. Like, I mean, it's quickly, Georgia has quickly become home. Um, and my family and I are settled here and, and I don't think we're leaving anytime soon. So you guys are stuck with me at this point. <laughs> well, we're proud to have you, man. I, um, and that's kind of the, the next question is just, so you joined the army. I think you mm -hmm. said you did ROTC in college. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. I had four years ROTC. It was a scholarship cadet and, uh, was commissioned in 1999, uh, and did my active duty time at Fort Hood. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, 22 years coming up on in May. So it's, uh, it's been a good run. How does it, how does a guy that, um, you know, joins ROTC, obviously I know you're a very physical fitness is a big part of you. How does that kind of like Spartan mentality guy become a talk radio host? Where did that come into the mix? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I would kind of flip it. It was more of how does the the talk radio guy get into ROTC? Like, it's really weird because you know, back prior to nine eleven, and I've told this story on the podcast several times. Like, I remember as a senior in college, right? Like, job fairs came around. Like, I had these senior job fairs, and everybody's going to the job fair, and people were asking me, "You going to the job fair?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, why? I'm like, because I have to go in the army right after college. And they look at me <laughs> straight face and say, well, why don't you just get a real job? <laughs> Prior to 9-11, like that was sort of the, that was sort of the mentality. It just was, you know, we were on a nation at war. I mean, the Clinton administration was great economically for the world and, and everything was, was hunky dory and nobody knew the world was going to change. And so, yeah, taking a job in the military at that point in time has almost seemed like, you know, you couldn't get a real job or you got in trouble with the law or all those things that you sort of preconceived about people who joined the military years ago um, were, were absolutely the case. And so uh, we didn't know that, you know, that real job became very real, you know, less than two years, two and a half years later or whatever. But that was sort of the mentality. Like I always wanted to be in uh, radio or television. That's what I went to school for. That's what my, I was a communications major. I wanted to do public relations and journalism and, and, and all those things. And so I kind of thought the army at the time was going to be a means to an end, just a way to pay for college and a way to, to you know, yeah. um, get life started out in, in that manner. I never thought when I was going through ROTC that I would do more than four years, let alone more than 20 years. So, uh, it, it's just sort of, you know, uh, the, the army is latched onto me and, and, uh, I, I've never let it go. And thankfully, I mean, you know, I, it's been a, an amazing career for me. It's been a, a, a great 22 years. And I remember when I was a cadet, you know, the, the professional military science telling us oh, 20, 20 years goes by in the blink of an eye, son, don't, don't, you know, it'll, it'll go by quickly. And you're like, dear Lord, I can't even remember <laughs> weeks from now, let alone 20 years from now. And he's right. You know, you look back and, and you know this from your military career, everything sort of segments in the military, right? Like it's this duty station, it's this job, it's, it's this leadership, you know, that you worked on that you're able to sort of write chapters in your career about and they go by really fast. No, I, you know, it's so funny. I had this kind of before and after the Marine Corps segment of my life, like I was one person before, one person after. And now I have this before and after injury segment of life. And it's like that first 18 years, the next eight years. And now it's been 11 years since then. And it's crazy to me that I can kind of skip back to the high school years and feel like oh, I wasn't that long ago. And then I realized I had this whole eight year Marine Corps career in between and now a 10 year career in, in what would be television and, and radio, too. And it's one of those things where it's like people ask me how I started doing what I do now. And it's like, I, I don't know. It took me 20 years to get here. And I really don't know what the road was or where I turned to get here. And um, it's always fun to meet people like you that have a kind of a similar background, but you know, you had your island of all a lot longer than I had. And, um, and now you kind of almost give back and merge the two with this hazard ground podcast where you bring your civilian talents mm -hmm. and your military life together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was one of those things, you know, Joey, that, that I, I look at and I'm like, it just, it was a perfect fit. You know, uh, I, I kind of developed the, the idea for the whole thing from the standpoint of, you know, in my armory where I would go to work, they have these like paintings on the walls, you know, just like decorations of, of engagements and battles that the National Guard has been in throughout history, like going all the way back to the, the Revolutionary War when it was the militia, you know, um, and, and and there was this story about the Battle of Takargar, uh, which happened on a, a mountaintop in Afghanistan in March of 2003. And I... I Underneath, they have these captions uh, describing the picture of what it was all about. 
And I read the whole thing and I went back to my computer and I just randomly started doing some research. It was one of those slow days uh, on Drill Weekend. I just started doing some research on it and st started reading more deep about it. I'm like, why is this not a story? Like, why doesn't the world know about this? This is amazing. Like, this is truly incredible. How did these people survive? Like, it's unreal, you know? And so uh, I started thinking, I'm like, people need to know this story and people need to hear these stories. And then I thought, you know, about my own story and I thought about like other people I know and their stories. And I'm like, you know, there's, there's really a, a market here to, to hear all this because you know, American Sniper and you know, American Lone Survivor because there were books that were made into movies and, you know, those are great stories and, and everybody should hear them, but there are thousands of other stories out there that never get made into a book or a movie like yours that everybody needs to hear and in your perspective and what you went through and, and how it changed you and how you're surviving and, and how you're thriving and all those things. And I think that there's, there's a lot to be said for everybody's different experience. Um, and we interviewed everybody from, you know, the lowest E4 specialist to, you know, three and four star generals. I mean, and everybody's perspective is different. And I think that's really something unique about our podcast. And it's all in the first person point of view. You know, I, I think if you take any given story and, you know, let's, let's say, you know, 2020 was going to do a, a piece on it that lasts eight or nine minutes, you know, between all that eight or nine minutes, there's probably only maybe two or three minutes of you actually telling your story. The rest of it is background information and narration and all the other stuff. But what we do is just a full on hour, hour plus, two hours, however long the individual wants to go to tell their story in their own words. And I, I think there's, that's therapeutic. I think there's catharsis in that. I think that there is um, a, a genuine, you know, sense of, of realism that you get to hear from that individual. And so, like you said, I kind of merged my ability as a, as a talk show host with my knowledge of, you know, the military and the combat experience into something that everybody can, can really digest. And, and that's sort of just my role in the whole thing is to almost be like a translator to help the civilian audience understand certain things. But here's the other thing that, that really separates, I think, the hazard ground from other podcasts that try this. Hypothetically speaking, Joey, if they were to take you and put you on Good Morning America and ask you about your experience and say, what was Afghanistan like? You know, you'll probably give a very cookie cutter answer, a very sort of broad general, you know, ah, obviously it was tough. You know, weather conditions were difficult, mountains, were difficult, <laughs> right? Because you know that they haven't been there and you know they don't understand. But see, I have been there. And so when you tell me about the environment, I know exactly what you're talking about. When you tell me about, you know, the combat experience, I've been through it. I know exactly what gunfire is. I know what it does to your body, what it does to your senses and your mind and all the other things. And, and you know, being in that heightened alertness every single day, like we can relate on that. And so you can just talk to me plainly in words and I understand them. And so therefore that's my job is to sort of translate some of that to the audience who doesn't understand. But I think that there is a certain amount of, you know, connection that I have with people who have served because they know that I've walked the same turf that they have, so to speak, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And and I'm, I don't know if I've put that much depth into the thought, but I absolutely have thought about what you're saying. And, and that's kind of the, the niche that I hold when I go on TV is I, I think about who I'm speaking to and what they really need to hear. And, um, and I love that. I love that you've thought that through and that's become a product that you can put out there for civilians. And I guess, you know, that was kind of my question with you is, People say a lot, oh, they need to hear these stories, but what's the end result and why? And, you know, and can you speak to that? Like, why is it important for civilians, largely civilians, but for other Americans, proud Americans, to hear these stories from these veterans? 
When we started this, we had hoped that it would be a podcast that people would enjoy, that it would be a way of um, just relating stories to people, right? Because I think in general, like the podcast, I always enjoy our stories, right? Like the, their personal stories. So um, we, we had just hoped it would be something like that. What we never thought it would be, would be a deep level of connection to people that we could have never foreseen. You know, I can't tell you the number of messages we get the number of reviews that we get, whether it's on our YouTube channel, on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, where somebody says to us, I didn't know what I was feeling until I heard this story. You've, you've helped me understand where I am. Um, we get messages, I didn't think I would ever join the military, but after hearing this, it's all I want to do. Uh, we get messages from civilians who have said, you know, I've never been in combat, but you know, when this person talked about this, that's how I feel about my own situation and going through X, Y, and Z. Like there's a relatability to the human condition um, that I think is so much deeper than we ever give it credit for. And we, I, when we started this whole thing, we would have never thought that that was going to be a byproduct of this, but that's exactly what it is. You know, it's take your story, you know, the, the, the days that you struggled to get up out of bed because your legs were gone and, and you now had to rethink life. Somebody out there is struggling with something. And while they may have both their legs, something you say may really hit them in, in the back of their mind the right way. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's now there's a connection between Joey and this person that they didn't know existed. And it's a, it's a motivation. It's an inspiration. It's all those things. And again, I, I don't think we ever started out with the intent of having that sort of impact. But when we get these notes and these messages from people, it's just like, it's mind blowing um, because we, we didn't know that there was that level of connection uh, between the human condition of people who've experienced so many different things. Like if that makes sense. No, it does. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we talk about combat, the majority of what people think is you're shooting and getting shot at, but combat is a, is a lot of things. And there's a lot of stories to be told there. And I think I really, um, you know, I guess I just applaud you for getting that out there and getting people to have that opportunity. I tell people all the time, listen, losing my legs was the easiest part of losing my legs. There was a path there that was written down and, and I could follow. You do this, you have that surgery, you use these prosthetics, you do this technique. It was all the other things, the the emotional healing from my family and get over the emotional stress and frustration that I had and, and adapting to new thought processes. What took 10 minutes now takes 30 minutes and I have to build my life around that. And, um, and it's just great that you're sharing these stories and giving people that much more insight into this warrior class that has fought a now a 20 year war that you and I have been a part right. of. And, and the other thing that, that we recognized, or at least people have helped us to recognize that we're doing that I never thought about before, but we're actually chronicling history. Like think about this just in, in pure, simple terms, right? The internet's now forever. and and we didn't intend to give away to, you know, have a way to, for people to have a firsthand account of the war on terror. And granted, we've done people from Vietnam, you know, the Gulf War. Uh, it, heck, we had the second oldest living survivor of Pearl Harbor on. I mean, you know, we've chronicled every major battle from World War II all the way through present day. And, and when you say that out loud, that's literally chronicling history. It's a firsthand account of history that's never going to go away. I mean, and, and just to think about the idea that in 20 years, that people may refer to a particular podcast episode of the Hazard Ground to get an account of what went on in a, in a given battle, a first-hand account is like that's awesome, 
you know, again, it was something that we never really had the forethought ahead of time that was, was going to be a byproduct of it. But that's what's happening. If somebody needs to know down the road the story of Johnny Joey Jones, they can go to the hazard ground and hear it right from him forever. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's pretty cool. You yeah, know? you're absolutely I mean, right. Think about it. You can send your son to go listen to that episode when he's old enough and say, you know, if you want to know what happened to dad, take a listen to this. And he gets to hear it, you know, being told by you. Like, I think that's incredible. Well, I think you're doing a service and I like the way you said it. You said you're doing a service both to the veteran that gets to tell their story and sometimes heal from it. I'm involved with a Fox Nation show where veterans are writing songs about their their experience and, and replacing negative memories with positive memories from from writing the song. And similarly, they get to hear this finished product from a podcast and it probably helps them kind of put some of that baggage behind. And then ultimately you're, you're merging that civilian military divide, which is kind of really what I want to talk to you about today. You kind of embody that and in the suffering, I guess, or the endurance that we've had with the coronavirus, your life's kind of gone full circle with the civilian and the, and the military. And I want you to kind of speak to that because I kind of see from my perspective, looking at you, it's a little bit of a silver lining, I guess, but maybe you see it differently, but I know that you know you're working here in Atlanta as a sports radio talk uh, talk radio host, and coronavirus kind of took your job away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in September of of 2020, unexpectedly, um, the company I was working at they had to let a bunch of people go, uh, and I was one of them. Uh, it was just one of those things where after six seven months of of the pandemic and business not being what it needed to be, they had to make some cuts, and I was one of the people that they chose to cut. Uh, and literally um, within two weeks of being let go, um, the army came a calling and the army national guard and they needed people to, uh, to work on their, their coronavirus task force. And, uh, <laughs> uh after a couple of weeks, I was, uh, given the job of running the entire COVID-19 task force for the state of Georgia. So wow. it's soldiers doing at the time, it was more testing sites and, and, you know, handing out food and other supplies to, to the local populace, uh, now to running um, eight different mass vaccination sites uh, throughout the state and other smaller local Department of Public Health vaccination sites. There's still testing sites up and running. There's still food banks up and running. But um, through every, you know, all four corners in the state of Georgia, uh, I have soldiers uh, working every single day uh, to, you know, alongside of our civilian, alongside with our civilian partners to uh, to make sure that the citizens of the state are taken care of. So uh, coronavirus took my civilian job, uh, but then it's still being here allowed me to uh, to continue to support my family and, and uh, you know, be fortunate enough not have to struggle and be on unemployment like many other, you know, Americans are and many other people here in this state are. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to have a, a safety net with the Guard. And that's why I kind of said, like, the Guard has been really good to me. The Army has been really good to me over 20 plus years. Who, who would have ever thought that this would be where I was when I, when I got commissioned. I certainly didn't think that, but, um, all these years later, it's, it's supporting my family and it's still a huge part of my life. And so, uh, it is sort of full circle and there is a silver lining. Um, you know, I, I, I still hope and desire to be back in radio, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I have no desire to take the uniform off, uh, anytime soon. Uh, but that said, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy the mix of being able to do a regular job and still be called into, into, into action when needed by, by the state or by the federal government. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty serendipitous to say the least that uh, <laughs> I ended up back in work uh, sooner rather than later. 
Well, I, I, I do hope that this virus is behind us. I'm not wishing yeah. bad luck on your on your current gig, but I know no. it's a <laughs> lieutenant colonel about to be colonel in the Army. Congratulations, yep. by the way. Um, you. You're going to be successful no matter what the mission is at hand. Well, I hope so. I'm trying. Um, you know, I, 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 I try not to fail, but the, the task force has been, you know, re- really, really successful and, and the vaccination sites have been successful. And, you know, uh, I think there will be opportunities in radio here uh, down the road shortly. Uh, whether it's locally or, or somewhere else, um, you know, I think that that uh, once things start to return to normal, and as you you know, you've, you've seen TV, you've seen Truist Park Braves games. There are people back in the stands, and that's a good thing for uh, the sports industry as a whole. And so, hopefully, as more of that starts to happen and we get towards football season, other opportunities will be available for me in, in the radio world as well. I'm sure they will. And and that, one last thing I kind of want to touch sure. on here, and not to hit controversy because that's not the point of this show, but we're the name of the show is Proud Americans, and. You are absolutely that. And I know your politics is about as middle of the road as it gets. And, you know, you're right there up until just a few months ago working right next to Truist Park in radio. Mm-hmm. You do sports radio. I don't know how a New Yorker covers the Atlanta Falcons fairly, but we'll talk about that another time. Do you feel like sports has a chance to survive the culture we have where everything is kind of, you know, polarized? Yeah, I mean, there's the argument that sports and politics have always been intertwined, I, th- I think is a fair one. I-, I think the way it's been covered and the way we present it now is completely different, obviously due to an explosion of media in general, but social media and, and you know, individual athletes now using their platform for something other than just to get a paycheck, a very big one, uh, for being a professional athlete. And, and I think all those things are fair. Um, and I think sports still is the ultimate binder of of people, right? I mean, no one cares if you're a Republican or a Democrat when the Braves are about to win the World Series, right? That's like right. That's, that's not, you know, when we were sitting down watching a Braves game doing the chop, we didn't say, hey, by the way, are you, you're going to vote for the for the bill? No, like that, that didn't come up in conversation. It was just high fives when somebody hits a home run. So there is still that unifying stance. I, I think what we need to do, um, I, I do think there needs to be a, a way for um, – sports teams to help us separate, you know, politics and, and the business of sports. Um, you know, that's, there, there, there are muddy waters that they're entering into. And I, I'm all for players speaking out using their platform. Um, but with so much money being involved in sports, you know, you have to, there has to be a clear line drawn between what is monetarily responsible and what is sort of your moral code responsible. Right. I, I mean, it, it it's, there's a way, there's a balancing act that you can do. And I think some teams strike a balancing act better than others, but there certainly is a way for sports teams to clearly delineate that, look, there are things that go on in politics that don't have anything to do with what we do. And sure, you can ask us to make a statement and we can speak out on it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still a business that's trying to make money. And, yeah. and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that just, from where I sit, there's nothing wrong with businesses trying to make money. It's how this country was built. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm a capitalist at, at, at heart and always will be, right? I mean, go get yours. Have at it. That's, that, that's how <laughs> we've got to be great. So I, I, I do think there's a balancing act that we and, and a nice sort of middle ground that we have to try to strike. Uh, but I think that's different for every team. And it's different for teams in each individual city. What the Falcons do versus what the Braves do which versus what the Hawks do – you know, they don't all have to be the same. 
and, and I think we've gotten to a point where, you know, everything has become so if you're not with us, you're against us, right? That, that there are two things that can be true at the same time, right? Like you, you, you can still be a Hawks fan and a, and a, and a Falcons fan and one can be for something and one could be against it. And guess what? That's okay. Like you're allowed to still be a fan. You don't have to put everything together. So uh, I, I hope we can get to that point down the road. But as you said, the, the middle ground in America is, is given way. Uh, and we've got to get rid of this pendulum effect that we're in, right? Like every, there, there doesn't have to be an equal and opposite reaction to everything. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we, we can just, you know, let the reaction be what it is and kind of let the pendulum swing back to the middle as opposed to going all the way back to the other end. It's like that amusement park ride with the big ship, you know, the part <laughs> goes all the way up one end and then flums down and goes all the way up in the other. Let's let's that one, that ride always made me want to throw up, which is why I never got on it. And it's sort of, <laughs> that's the ride we're on as a country yeah. is what you're saying. Just kind of give me the soft little, you know, hammock walk back and forth in the middle. I don't need the big swings. So that's kind of where I am. It's called the pit and the pendulum. It's a great short story by Edgar Allan Poe. And I use that analogy all the time. The harder you push, the harder it'll swing back. And at some point we just have to find that common ground that you're talking about that I think is really common sense and common decency uh, and just enjoying each other for things other than our opinions. And uh, in that spirit, man, you, you straddled that line between citizen soldier. You're a guy I look up to everything you do. You do it with tremendous amount of dedication and success. I think you've done a great job handling uh, your duties with the coronavirus and the, and the response for the national guard. You were able to, um, to uh, inform me on getting vaccinated. And I couldn't thank you enough for that. And, uh, and man, I just thank you for being a proud American. No, thank you. And, and listen, I, I can't, do anything but echo the same sentiments back to you. I'm, I'm proud that we've developed a relationship over the last couple of years. I'm certainly proud to know you and, and everything that you've done, not only for the veteran community, but um, you know, you're not afraid to stand up and speak your voice. And I think that that should be commended. You know, it's so easy to shout down people who differ from opinions with us, but you know, uh, you're passionate about what you believe in and and you're willing to listen. And I think that's the other thing that you know separates guys like you from from. Uh, the rest of the talking heads in America is that you, you're always open to have a conversation, whether you agree or disagree. It's it doesn't ever get personal, and you're, you you want to hear people's thoughts and opinions. And I think that that is part of, you know, getting back to that common sense approach that we take is that you know we start listening a little bit more instead of trying to shout what's next in our brain. Um, <laughs> you know, once we get there, I think we'll start to do a lot better. But nothing but the highest respect for you, brother. You, you're. You're an outstanding individual, uh, a proud American yourself, and certainly somebody I consider a friend. Well, if people want to hear more about Mark Zeno and the things you have going on, where can they learn more about you, hear from you, hear your podcast? Well, certainly uh, the podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, uh, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or everywhere. You can go to our website, hazardground.com. Every episode is archived on the website. You can listen to it on the website. There's a whole bunch of great other information on the website, hazardground.com, about each of our guests and uh, photos as well. So go there. You can follow me on social media, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. That's where I am on Twitter and on Instagram. And don't forget, Hazard Ground on social media, at Hazard Ground, at Hazard Ground Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, and again, hazardground.com. Well, brother, I thank you for coming on, and I look forward to seeing what's next for you. Thank you, sir. You're the best. Mark spends a lot of time on his podcast letting other veterans tell their stories. It was my honor to turn the table and let you all hear his story. Lieutenant Colonel Mark Zeno is truly a proud American. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com 
And be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American Story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones. Thank you for listening. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.